0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Forrester CXCast. This is Sam Stern, joined in studio by our colleague TJ Kitt. Hi, TJ. Hello, Sam. And sitting with us as well, my colleague and co host, Jenny Wise. Hi, Jenny.
1: Hi, everyone. And today we're going to talk about CX transformation. All of you listening probably know that this is a key topic. That customer experience is a key differentiator now in your brand. It is important to focus on, but actually creating the environment at your office and organization to foster and enable CX transformation is complicated. So what does enablement mean when we're talking about CX transformation?
2: Put simply, it's just the organization's ability to provide the tools, processes, training techniques to your employees and more broadly to your partners to allow for them to deliver the experience that you intend to deliver to your customers. It kind of is a catch-all for a number of different things that (laughs) need to happen in a business in order to allow for it to meet its customers' expectations. But at the end of the day, probably one of the more important things that a company has to do if it wants to actually fulfill the responsibilities that it has under our customer experience management framework.
0: Yeah, and I would add to that, similar to culture where we talk about it sort of as this you know, this floating cloud often depicted around the other competencies and, oh, does everyone have the right behaviors and mindsets? A lot of times they seem to have the right behaviors and mindsets or not, in large part because they've been enabled or not to do that, right? The conditions you create, mm-hmm. and as TJ highlighted some of them, that if you give employees tools, if you give them training, if you give them uh, the supporting environment that makes it easier for them to deliver the customer experience you've laid out. And there's an assumption built in there that you've laid out clearly what the customer experience is to deliver. All of that suddenly makes it so much easier to adopt and practice a customer-centric set of behaviors. And so I think enablement, uh, as TJ said, it's really critical. It's sort of all these little pieces fitting together to make a better environment to deliver the right experience. And then that is often a supporting factor in creating a really customer-centric culture that employees think, oh, you know, you're asking me to do this and you've given me all these tools and you've given me all this information I need to do it. Great, now I can do it. Um, And I think a lot of companies leave that out of there. We need to change the culture. And it's like, right, but make it so that people don't feel like you're asking the impossible from them. So
1: one of the things that I found really interesting looking at this research, because this is also some new research that uh, was published and worked on by both of you, is this interplay Uh, or mentioning of both these tools and resources and cultural change that's required uh, to enable these CX professionals, as well as this focus on the employee experience. I'm curious to hear from you, what is the difference between employee experience and enablement? Are they one in the same, or how do they impact one another?
2: Well, I mean, I think the way that I would think about it is behind the customer experience is an employee experience. So if you think about your customer journey and you think about the touch points that your business owns, each one of those touch points usually has an employee sitting behind it, whether that employee is directly interacting with the customer or if the employee is more or less responsible for the maintenance of said touch point. There is an employee who is buffeted by all of the winds and turbulence of your (laughs) organization and in kind of trying to survive in that maelstrom, they are intending to help your customers get something done. So when we think about the employee experience, we think about it much in the same way that we think about the customer experience in that there is this broad set of things that are happening around the employee and around the employee's journeys to do specific work-related tasks that either help them do it in a way that's effective and productive or impedes them from doing that. So the goal ultimately is to create an employee experience that is enabling as opposed to hindering in terms of how the employee does their daily work. So I would view them as being complementary things. You have an employee experience, you want it to be enabling. And so in order to make it enabling, you create conditions in the ecosystem around the employee, such as the organization structure, the management structure, the technologies that they're provided, the processes that they live in, that all make it
0: easier for them to do their job. What I would add to that is the closer you as an organization get on this sort of CX transformation path, back to the the overall point you made to introduce this conversation, the more overlap there should be then between what are seen as CX enablement capabilities and things that are critical to the employee experience. right? Because more and more we're becoming about delivering this great experience to customers as an organization. And so what employees need to do that becomes a bigger and bigger piece of what you're providing to them. And so you're creating this environment that is moving slowly but surely in this direction of, okay, everything is oriented from customer back. And if we're doing this in the right way, we will naturally think about all of the capabilities, conditions, as TJ said, that employees need to be in the right frame of mind, have the right information, have the confidence, have the tools, have connections to the colleagues to get this done. And I guess in describing that, (laughs) we are also describing why companies
2: choose not to do this
0: <laughs> in, yeah. in any sort of program. Uh, choose, choose is doing a lot of work there. I, I, w- I don't know that there's a lot of conscious choice here. Uh, uh, fail to do. Fail. Although I, I would say even failure there is a choice. <laughs> yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Um, no. fa- they, they choose they, not to consider this. They choose to keep their heads red. in the sand. Yeah, yeah.
2: Right, well it's, 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 sim- it's much more easy um, or I should say simpler um, to overlook those sorts of things to let automation do the work or to assume that we can get by with fewer resources or that what is most important to focus on is the customer and the customer's experience without looking at the employee experience because we can't necessarily draw those lines as an organization from the improvement to the employee experience to an improvement and mm. customer experience which then has downstream effects like increases in revenue increases in profitability and so on so it is easier to choose not to do these things because the business justification of marshaling all of these resources in this one direction is difficult and you know as we know it you know when people are, are kind of met with resistance it's you know sometimes you choose the path of least resistance which means you go around you know some of these
0: more difficult elements. That's a really good point you raised in there just to to underline it which is that if you're an organization that's done the due diligence around why you want to improve customer experience then you have linked it to better customer experience in these ways will lead to better business mm-hmm. outcomes in these other ways. And as TJ was saying, there's usually often okay. then a intermediary step to show that improvements in employee experience lead to better business results. Often it is right. through better customer experience, and that's where CX enablement is such an important factor and why there's that the complementary nature between employee experience and CX enablement, but that extra step to TJ's point makes it harder to show the impact of CX enablement, which makes right. it easier then for organizations to say, yeah, we'll get to that. But right. we're going to do these other things that have a shorter term impact.
1: To build on that, uh, because I do want to get into the steps of how do we then enable <laughs> so that right. companies stop ignoring this and can right. actually We've, we've made the point it. it's important, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But before we go there, I want to follow up on, on the point that you were bringing up, which is this connection between employee experience and the business, and that there are probably interim impacts or other impacts beyond just positive employee experience leads to increased revenues. What are some of the other business metrics or impacts that a good employee experience has?
2: Well, I mean, we think about when we start looking at this, um, one of the things that we were thinking about was what does it mean for employee loyalty? And the way that we've described loyalty in this context is along three dimensions. One is... Simple retention. We think a lot about you know kind of the ability for a company to keep an employee, and, and why it's important for an employee for a company to keep an employee. It's simply that it's very expensive to replace a good worker. I think uh, some estimates I've seen is that it's you know upwards of twenty twenty two percent of your salary to replace you. So if you're in a business that has high turnover, that can add up pretty quickly. Additionally, once you get someone who is firing on all cylinders. And is able to deliver the experience that you want them to deliver and they leave, then you have knowledge gaps Mm -hmm. and you have lag times in which you're bringing someone else up to speed, which then leads to some of those performance lags in your customer experience. So retention is one of those big elements, but retention alone isn't something you want to look at because retention can be affected by things that are exogenous to your organization, like what the marketplace looks like for jobs. So the other things that we consider are what we refer to as kind of those advocacy elements. So do your employees want to advocate to their friends and families that your place of business is a good place to work at? So good employees know other good people who would possibly fit into your organization, into your business culture. And so having those individuals be willing to recommend that their friends and family come to work for you um, means that you know they're not kind of in this one of those misery loves companies <laughs> sorts of things that they actually do view that this is a good place to work um, and a good place to build a career. But going along with that just to kind of shore it all up we also look at what would tr- traditionally be referred to as kind of the net promoter sort of question which is would you recommend your company's products or services to your friends and family members. <laughs> so do you have a good product? Is this a good place to work? And am I willing to stay here over the long term? All three of those things have downstream effects, obviously. You know, so being able to bring in the right people can help with innovation, can help with service delivery, being able to retain those employees, have the economic benefits that we just talked about. And then obviously recommending the products and services to friends and family members means that you can depend on these sorts of employees to help you grow your business because they do believe in what you're doing, so I think those are the things that we focus on. And what we generally understand is that, by and large, in the workforce, there aren't a large number of employees who exhibit that level of loyalty, um, you know, in their workplace. You know, so when we've evaluated this time over time, we get numbers similar to the numbers that Gallup sees in their engagement surveys. So you know, kind of in the neighborhood of you know thirty to thirty-three percent, that would indicate that they exhibit this level of loyalty. So the question becomes: How do we how mm-hmm. do we lift that? so that we can begin building a base in the workforce that is going to feel sufficiently empowered um, and feel good about what they're doing so that they can help us deliver this experience.
1: Right. So the idea here and why that CX enablement and employee experience are so intertwined is that it's not just let's give them the tools so that they can do their jobs better, let's give them the tools so that we create a culture of empowerment and growth and investment in the company. Right.
0: Yeah, I feel like this is a good job, a good place for me to work, a good good place for other people that I like in my personal life to come and work, uh, a good place for me to stay and build a career. And I think, you know, TJ, to your point, um, CX enablement is not the only factor leading to employee loyalty, but probably the shortest term numeric improvement you can achieve from better enablement and through that better employee experience is reducing those turnover numbers in a way that reduces your recruiting costs, reduces this lost productivity you know, in time to ramp and in open positions. There's a lot of money. And I think most of the estimates I've seen for replacement costs when somebody leaves always seem conservative because it's really hard to put a numeric dollar on the lost productivity as you ramp somebody up and as you have a gap with an open position. And rightfully so. I, I think companies should be conservative about it. But I think when you see estimates, uh, I've seen them for different firms that have, you know, Starbucks or Southwest have sort of made those kinds of estimates about the money they're saving from lower turnover rates than their competitors. They are probably giving you a low estimate in terms of dollar value. So it's a really expensive problem for some firm. You know, what we see if you
2: can generate loyalty is that you generate within the workforce things that would ultimately lead you to empower them to deliver the experience that you want. So the top driver of loyalty that we see in our survey data is just, I feel empowered to tackle business problems when I encounter them. I mean, it seems to be kind of a very general thing, very simple thing conceptually, but very difficult for businesses to do in practice because that means that you're going to give a lot of latitude. Mm -hmm. Um, To people to kind of address things that they see. But ultimately, if we're in this environment in which the elements of the CX ecosystem move very quickly, customer perceptions change, competitive landscapes change, pushing out as much capability as possible to those closest to the customer to deal with those issues as they see them arise, you know, becomes very important. So empowerment, which was a a theme at Forrester uh, just a a few short years ago, (laughs) um, you know, is one of those things that becomes very important in this CX enablement story. Along with, you know, kind of the second important driver, which is feeling that they're recognized for the effort that they're putting in. You know, so when we're thinking about our careers and we're thinking about how we progress in our careers, one of the ways that, you know, I think we all recognize is You don't get anywhere if no one understands the contributions that you're making. Mm -hmm. And so in addition to being empowered, if the actions that you're taking – to ensure that the customer is having a good experience or that inefficiencies are being uh, corrected. If you're being recognized by your leadership and that puts you on a pathway towards growing in your career, then obviously, you know, that becomes another element that people consider um, important to creating that sense of loyalty. You know, just those two things, you know, kind of alone as top drivers to point out here, as we consider what we should be doing to begin enabling employees and creating that enabling environment.
1: This sounds important, right? Something that (laughs) companies should be doing. But even talking about it, we can see that this is complex, right? We're talking about leadership and metrics and recognition and processes. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on how does a company start down this road? What steps should they follow? Well,
2: I think the first important one is enlisting an executive sponsor. We talked about this being a very complicated thing that touches many parts of the business. Thus, if you want to coordinate it in any way, shape, or form, you're going to need someone who has enough altitude in the organization to have a broad perspective on what's going on and thus can help make some decisions, help kind of pull people who perhaps to this point have been resistant um, to coordinating their efforts into some sort of agreement with their peers across the organization to do things in a programmatic fashion.
0: Uh, to me, that was the one that stood out as, how do you sort of elevate this up to a level where we're mm-hmm. going to take a broad enough approach to it? And that seemed really critical. Organizations really trying to tap someone to sort of say, look, we, we need you to provide. Um, it, you know, I think short of the CEO who probably has a broad enough purview to look at the entire organization, you won't get that, I don't think, as, as an active executive sponsor, but getting someone who can call on their relationships with their peers. Is a really important, you know, marker in terms of level. Uh, the second step, once you've got that, and you know, that may take a while, even though it's a very discrete step, is really to underneath them. So they're at the high level, looking end to end. Underneath that is, in a detailed way, look end to end. And by that we mean map employee journeys, map the supporting capabilities employees need to deliver on important customer journeys. Um, so we talk about mapping the current customer experience delivery ecosystem, and a lot of that is looking at critical employee journeys that either um, work or don't work for them to then fulfill value to the customer. The
2: third thing to kind of consider is how the different silos in the business work together. There are Hmm. plenty of structural disincentives. For different business units to not work together, such as competition, <laughs> fights for resources and budgeting and so on. What we really are trying to strive for is uh, figuring out ways to... Create incentives for them to work together. We don't advocate for that kind of pat notion of breaking down silos. Silos exist in <laughs> business for reasons. It's yeah. very difficult in very large companies for one individual to control everything. Thus, you need to have spans of control that limit how much a manager is responsible for, for sanity's sake, but also just for practical reasons. We're silo realists.
1: Yeah. We are. That's silo. interesting. So don't break them down. Just collaborate across them. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, make the flow of information between right. them simpler and actually happen, I guess, in in, in some cases. Um, Zero to one in a lot of those cases, Exactly, go to one. It's not happening at all. (laughs) Going along with that is empowering managers to actually have them help break down some of these issues or, or kind of remove some of the hurdles to actually delivering on good customer experience. Again, you know, if you're a middle manager, there may not be a lot of incentive for you to change the way that your individual employees are working as long as you are meeting your metrics, but demonstrating to them, you know, what some of the issues are, uh, and that kind of goes back to the mapping process, laying out some things that they could do to help the company move forward, become important there as well. The final element, you know, quickly is this kind of the technology strategy. So I, I always like saying that you can only do what your technology allows you to do. Going back to the earliest technology mankind had, which is fire, you know, you couldn't cook food until you figured out a way of lighting fires on your own. So you can only do what your technology allows you to do. And if you frame your technology roadmap in context of what it is that you intend for your employees to do, in light of the experience that you want to deliver, then it makes it easier for your technologists and your IT department to lay out a strategy that will meet those goals.
0: Yeah, there was a really good example of that um, United Healthcare worked with Continuum. They, they had all this data about. Patients who might be calling in, what their medical history was, what the treatment options might be. But it was just a big data lake, warehouse, whatever. It was just data in an unusable format. So the agents, when they called in, they didn't have any context for which of the patients' different medical histories might be relevant. They couldn't sound smart. And so they worked to automate the pushing out of that data, the right bits of it the right uh, context to the agents, and they worked on a system that routed patients to agents who would actually be more well-versed in uh, their area of need, the questions they were going to have. So suddenly, now you're having these calls where patients are getting paired with agents who are better trained in the areas they're going to need help and have at hand data to bring to bear to answer their questions in a more thoughtful way, those agents are going to be better at their jobs because they've been enabled through this technology solution. I think those are the types of examples we were looking for in this research where it's the same people, but they've been set up for success in a way that they hadn't been before.
1: So, Thinking about this research and the examples and the companies that you looked at, uh, we went through these five steps, which are helpful, but how do you do them? I'd love to hear some more examples <laughs> like that, which you just mentioned. Um, and I'm interested to start with enlist an executive sponsor. That's advice that we often give when trying to yeah. evangelize and get power, totally. uh, but how do you actually do that? How do you pick the executive? Where should they live? And how do you sell them into supporting this initiative? Are there any, any examples there that you can speak to?
0: Yeah, I would think that a lot of our listeners, if they're wondering who this person might be, I think from a starting point, you may well have someone or some ones in mind who have given some indication through their communications or through how they work in the organization or for the fact that they've been in different parts of the organization and have are long tenured, right, they're part of the culture, they're a known entity, that they could fit this role. And then I think what you want to talk to them about is you need to ask them if they can do this and have a clear indication of what you're looking for. And what you're looking for for them is is minimal, but it's to talk about the importance of the different groups that would be involved in enabling employees. And, and TJ, I think, has expressed it very clearly how many groups that talk that is referencing in the organization, that this person needs to be collaborating with those different groups. And then the other thing that I think you can do for them, you know, make it discreet and then make it accountable, Um, I think it was Salesforce, right, that did a really good job of creating these five clear metrics that would track how enabled employees were, and that that executive sponsor and executives are kind of always looking for this is, how will we know if this is working? You want to give them something that gives them clarity around how we're doing in this area so that they can gauge their success, but also that they can hopefully trumpet their success and talk about how well they've done in this new informal role that they've uh, agreed to take on.
1: Do you have an example of what those metrics are I'm sure people would be interested to hear that.
0: Salesforce ties employee experience to five metrics. Right. Business results of company growth, employee engagement, employee reviews, so think of Glassdoor mm-hmm. ratings, employees' willingness to recommend it as a place to work, and the percentage of new hires referred by employees oh, interesting. as a sign that we're getting, as TJ referenced before, yeah. more of those good candidates that our existing employees know.
1: Mm-hmm. That's interesting to hear, too, because they tie it directly back into the employee experience, right, the right that you talked about. That's right. Mm -hmm. Right. Not just thinking about that ultimate customer experience that's being delivered.
0: And I think, you know, as we were talking about how how you would measure this, those are metrics that will allow you to know that the enablement efforts are leading to these better outcomes on things they should impact, right? Employees feeling like they can do their jobs better, so the company's growing, they're more connected to the company, they're engaged, and they're recommending better people.
1: Right. So then, Let's move on to step two. I won't make us go through every single step, (laughs) but I think this one's interesting because it's mapping the current delivery ecosystem. And in that example, you spoke about making sure that the right data is in the right hand so that they can deliver the best experience. You have to know who those people should be, right? (laughs) Sort of who those people touch points are and where they are in the organization. And we talk a lot about mapping in customer experience broadly, usually in terms of customer journey mapping. So is this map the same? Is this additive to the customer journey map that you've created? Is this a different type of mapping process? Can you speak to that?
2: I mean, I think it can be additive. So one of the ways that we do discuss employee journey mapping is to talk about it as a appended part of the customer journey map, particularly if you have a journey in which it is clear how an employee interacts with customers at each particular touchpoint. So Contact centers are probably an easy way of thinking about that. Uh, if you're in some sort of retail space where associates are interacting with customers, that becomes another area where it gets quite obvious. But beyond that, I mean, I think, you know, if we kind of just look at this more generally, I think you have ideas of processes that do affect the customer. Um, you know, so sales processes, escalation policies, things of that nature that, Touch the customer in some way, shape, or form, but aren't necessarily carried out by employees that are directly on the customer's journey um, or that may only be exposed if you were to kind of lay out the different elements of the ecosystem underneath all of those different customer steps. So you can look at the employee journey separately. So I think Bank of Montreal did that, um, for example just to kind of lay out where employees sit in different sorts of business processes that are affecting the customer journey. As a way of sussing out where there are issues, to summarize that kind of long meandering answer is that, yes, it can be additive, it can be a part of the customer journey and customer journey mapping exercise, but it can serve its purpose just as well as long as you frame it in context of what business process or what customer
0: issues with the business process you're trying to investigate. Narrowly defining it as, you know, around CX enablement, you are going to map a lot of those employee-supporting journeys for customer journeys. But inevitably, you will start to find ones that um, probably have nothing to do with customers' directly, right, a manager and a employee having a one-on-one meeting or performance evaluation. But that is still something that can often be, you know, an enabling factor or a reason why the employee experience isn't good.
1: So this employee journey map, it sounds like there are multiple levels to it. And so I'm, I'm curious yeah. to clarify and hear your thoughts on this because you think not just what is that customer touch point, who is the employee that directly impacts that customer touch point, but then also what are the tools below that, and perhaps the other employees responsible for those tools or feeding content into those tools. Is that right? That it is so multi-level?
0: Yeah, it can be, mm-hmm. and I think you know in particular the technology piece ends up drawing you down pretty deep into the organization, looking at a lot of those behind the scenes from a customer point of view systems that employees are relying on or are limited by in many cases Mm -hmm. in their ability to deliver the right experience. So yeah, you do want to keep following the line of inquiry, so to speak, back and back and back until you hit the back wall of your organization. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is often where you will way under the covers get to processes owned by IT, systems provided by IT and will need their involvement. Right. And so step five is is about you getting there really and looking at the technology enablement mm-hmm. pieces. We don't mean to suggest that it should be the last thing you do, only that it is complicated and often is at the end of that inquiry as you move Back from the customer journey that you're looking at.
1: So this isn't something you can just do if you get stakeholders from different departments in a room and knock out in one day. This is something that's going to require a lot of conversations and mapping into the depths of the organization. And so then I have one more question. I was talking to a company the other day who was saying that their employees didn't necessarily realize the emotional tenor of the customer Mm. emotion when they were engaging with them. Mm. Um, And so the example there is there is a credit card company as a customer. I've lost my credit card. I'm calling in a panic. This is, uh, you know, life ending to me. Someone could be stealing my credit card and all my information. But for them, they, the con customer service, they pick up the phone and that's just another day. Right? And so they might not think that they need to be uh, really receptive or empathetic at that moment. So, does that play a role in this story, making sure that the employee within this employee journey is connected back up to the customer? Does co-creation play a role here?
0: That's a great example, I think, of where the information sharing, some of that data sharing we're talking about, needs to happen in that case, right? Employees, gosh, I would hope they would know that a lost credit card should be an emotionally important experience and an opportunity mm-hmm. to show empathy and take control and deliver that experience in the right way for the customers. If they don't, uh, yeah, I think there's a knowledge gap. There's sort of a um, understanding gap for employees that you can tease out a little bit. And it might be, this is the thing, and I think, and I like your, you know, sort of introducing co-creation potentially to this. You probably do want to go pretty deep into a design process for trying to understand why they weren't already thinking of bringing empathy to that. And let's assume positive intent, but let's say, okay, is it because we've made it so difficult for them to Spend any extra time preparing for a call or reflecting on a call, or they're worried about how much time they should spend on a call, and all of this is sort of pointing to specific goals they might have, right? Things like average handle time, but the number of calls they're handling each day, the lack of feedback they might get from a manager or a peer coach. If you can start to examine that and start to reimagine. What would be a really good experience for this employee, where they're preparing for this call, or they're you know feeling like they're going to take this call? The customer is in a panic, and they immediately snap into the mode that's appropriate for the cues that the customer is giving off. There's that um, you know lost credit card, high intensity emotion, negative emotion for the customer. There's other scenarios they might get right after where they need to immediately adjust to a different emotional motif it is going to be appropriate for customers. And so I think that is a great example of where building that out with employees, what they would need to as quickly as possible get into the right emotional mode or cadence with mm-hmm. the customer, I think would be a fascinating opportunity to bring something like co-creation into the mix.
1: And then it's not just do you have the tool... To be able to answer this, can you pull up their credit card information? But also have I been empowered as an employee to understand the impact yeah. that this this touch point and this relationship has on the customer?
0: What does the entire well, workflow look like for me mm-hmm. to figure out and as soon as possible? And this is where, you know, I was talking about the United Healthcare example where they put the information in the employee's hands that allowed them to more quickly get to the right understanding with the customer. and I think that's really important. If you immediately snap to attention because you have some indication that I've lost my credit card or that this is my, um, my condition that you're calling about uh, a health insurer, then we don't lose that 30 seconds where there's a frustration and a doubt building up for the customer um, because you immediately seemed like you understood the situation and were taking control rather than like, what is this person asking me this unrelated question in my mind as the customer about? I told them I lost my credit card. Let's get down to business of figuring out how to protect my account. So I think that's another area where enablement is so important. But to your point, looking at the full workflow from the employee's point of view of what they need, what's getting in their way today, how the data and the tool might be best brought to bear for them to deliver a good experience.
1: All right. Well, Sam, TJ, thank you for joining us for this podcast to talk about enablement, employee experience. To listeners, we will be posting some links to some of the research that we talked about today on enablement. Bye for now.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of CXCast. And remember, your customer's perception is your customer experience reality.